this is about playing and like a child, you know, with, with a drummer. It's not about showing off. It's about that relationship and, and just to make it fun and playful, have a sense of humor, be relaxed. Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Live podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I am honored that you are part of our dance tribe. This episode is brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, online platform where you can get access to all my teaching materials at once. Hundreds of technique drills, multiple choreographies, themed intensives, full-length courses, everything you can think about. Whether 20 minutes or few hours for practice, you will find a program that will fit not only your schedule, but your mood as well. First seven days are free, so check it out at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes. Hello everyone, welcome to the Baladins Live podcast. Today we have a very special guest. We have amazing musician Rocky Danziger. She is a world-famous Middle Eastern musician, teacher and composer based in Istanbul. She has released 13 albums, 5 Darbuka Method books and 2 volumes of her original compositions. Her educational offerings are available through her online Darbuka school, darbukaschool.com, and more than a thousand students are currently enrolled in her courses. Raki specializes in the split hand technique, which is a fast and elaborate Turkish drumming style. She also plays the mystical 12-string King Kemenche, a rare bowed instrument. She has also performed in Egypt as a soloist with the Egyptian King of Tabla, Said Artit, and his drumming orchestra in the great concert halls of Egypt. She has appeared at Lincoln Center, at CR, Concert Hall in Istanbul, and in many festivals. In 2005, she was the recipient of the Meet the Composer grant. Raki has appeared on Good Morning Egypt, Leila Kabira, OTV, the Culture Channel, Turkish Television, Arabs Got Talent, and has been interviewed on Al Jazeera. In our today's conversation, we talked all things drumming related and not only drumming. We talked about differences between being a drummer as a lead musician, being a drummer as a accompanist, and of course, being a drummer as a playing music for dancers. We talked about Rocky's collaborations with different musicians and different dancers in US, in Egypt, and in Turkey. Obviously, we talked in-depth about Raki's experience in Egypt as a musician, as well as her love to Turkish drumming style and her experience of actually moving to Istanbul and how difficult it is to move to a different country. And, of course, drumming, 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 drumming. She not only teaches uh, drummers all around the world. She also created a special notation system for drummers and one of her super skills, uh, like superpowers, is definitely ability of playing her very elaborate drum solos exactly as she composed them. And this is due to her special notation system, which we talked in this interview too. She also gave a couple of very cool tips for dancers who want to collaborate with drummers, both for live performances as well as uh, to commission them maybe to create drum solo composition specifically for them so all this is in our today's conversation also it's a very special guest for me not only because it's also a good friend but also we recently collaborated with her on a special project for the Yana Dance Club my teaching platform where she was a guest instructor and she gave us uh, insights into the music world and specifically we worked on one of her drum solo compositions called Istanbul which is all composed in nine which is very 
tricky time signature and not uh, that uh, typical or common for dancers to work with nines but here is the whole drum solo composition and we did some classes together with her mini lectures where she really talked in depth and showcased the differences between Egyptian drumming style, Turkish drumming style and uh, this is very cool experience because Dra uh, Raki literally had music, practical music experience in both styles and in both countries. So if you are someone who wants to experiment also from dance point of view and experiment with different music styles, don't forget to check our special intensive Dancing to Turkish Nines which was created in collaboration with Raki. I will include the link in the show notes to this description. And also, if you're someone who wants to dive deeper into the drumming or maybe start learning the drumming skills along with developing your dance skills, do listen till the very end of interview because there is a special bonus gift from Raki for all of our listeners of the podcast. So, on these notes... Don't forget to check all resources available uh, that I will include in the links to this uh, episode, to the show notes. And if you like this episode and got inspired by it, don't forget to share it on social media or with your friends. Or maybe you have no one friend who kind of into this topic of, oh, maybe diving into drumming or exploring more. So send the link to this podcast to your friends. Spreading the world is one of the best support you can give to this podcast and I will highly appreciate seeing your feedback and seeing your support to this project. On this note, let's dive into the interview. Okay, let's do it. I'm so happy. Welcome to the podcast, Raki. So happy to connect with you and to hear you, to see you. Missed you a lot and looking forward to chat about music, art and everything related to creativity. <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> I would like to start from the Actually, from the very beginning, so you are known as a drummer, and uh, there's a lot of things to talk about that. But how did you got involved in drumming world? Where did you see like Darbuka for the very first time? <laughs> okay, well, uh, I saw Darbuka for the very first time here in Tel Aviv, where I am now. Uh, it, that's not where I saw it for the first time, but that's when I really got interested in it because I had just gotten back from a trip to India where I started uh, playing Indian drumming. Before that, I was a classical musician and uh, mostly piano, and I was very into piano and also very into rhythm and math. And uh, so then when I was in India, I started to drum, and it was like, oh, my God, this is everything that I'm good at is just uses, uses everything that I'm good at in, in doing this. And I loved it so much. And I was studying the Indian drums. And then I got back home to Tel Aviv where, where I was living at the time. And then I discovered the Darbuka and uh, I saw some great, great players and that, you know, but I kind of, before that, I just thought it was like this obnoxious thing that people bang on and, I never uh, was interested in it, but then when I saw Zohar Fresco, he's an incredible uh, percussionist in Israel. He played the darbuko just so delicately and all these finger finger hits, and it was so beautiful. So then I, I really I I fell in love with the darbuka, fell in love with Middle Eastern music, and just like I just you know uh, it happened really fast. That one year after I started to play. I didn't need any other job. Like I, I could totally support myself just from Darbuka one year after I started. So it happened really fast, almost overnight. Oh, wow. That's a really incredible story. And uh, one year and already working, like let's say full time as a drummer, Darbuka player. What do you think was the key points uh, helping? Was it uh, just like luck or was it uh, demand and skills? Was it circumstances that used to be at that time around you? What do you think was the key point to allow you actually to do it? Well, uh, first of all, I, I was uh, very inspired and I was progressing fast. Uh, second of all, because I 
came from a classical piano background, I, I'm a good accompanist. Like I know how to play with another musician and make them sound good. When I played the piano, I used to accompany violin or cello or singers, and I always loved to accompany. So when I was playing in these bands, um, even though I wasn't the most virtuoso player after one year, but I'm good at making the other musicians sound good. You know, they say that a sign of a great drummer is that you don't even notice them because what they're doing is so fitting with the music that it's just like, it's almost just a part of the music. So uh, I think the musicians uh, realize that I'm a, a good accompanist. So I, I just, all these bands wanted to play with me and I got just so many offers and then people would see me play and say, do you teach? And you know, oh, can you play here? Can you play? I have a band. Can you, you know, and it's, I, I just, I was getting so many offers and I just, after a year, I just was like, hey, wait a second. I don't need another job. Like, this is, this is enough for, you know, to, and at that, I moved to New York and it was like, it was enough to live in New York with just what I was doing on Darbuka. Mm, that's really cool and it reminded me so much this comparison because in uh, belly dance world we always say like oh the drummer who is good at playing for dancers he knows that his job is to make dancer look good on stage yes and exactly. you're saying right now this even about musicians who are accompanists so there's a difference probably as a playing as a leading musician playing as a part of the band, playing for singer, and obviously playing for dancer, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all different skills and different, you know, different rules, kind of, to mm-hmm. make it work. So you started your drumming journey with Indian tabla. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, I, dolak, which is, like, more of a folk instrument, just one, with two sides. It's like a... Uh, tambourine, something like that? No, no, it's, you know, Murdungum, it's like a one drum with two sides, with two heads. Ah, okay. Yeah, Uh you know, you play it like that. So it's similar to the tabla, but it's, the tabla is more classical and this is more folk. And yeah, I, I, I lived in Varanasi in India for just a few months, taking lessons on that. And, but, but then I, you know, but then I, I quickly discovered the darbuka and just focused on that. So the, the Indian drumming was just a, like a gateway. And um, I use a lot of the Indian rhythmic concepts, which are very cool and sophisticated and mathematical, but I don't play the Indian drum anymore. Mm. I was just about to ask, was those uh, first skills that you learned on Indian uh... Uh, drum drumming was it transferable later for Darbuka or was it something completely different? Well, I still use Indian stuff in a lot of my compositions. You know the way they divide the cycles and stuff, and I play some. You know, I play covers of Zakir Hussein and his father. You know, and and I I, I learn. I I have a uh, th- this one South Indian guy who has an app with all these little compositions, and I'm learning those and getting ideas from those all the time. So I'm very influenced by the Indian drumming. Mm. It's so interesting, like, your journey through the drumming world, because you are today known a lot for Turkish style or Turkish-inspired style for split hand, but you actually were very much involved in uh, Egyptian music scene. And mm-hmm. in Arabic drumming. So how did it happen that you ended up in Egypt and so actively like performing in the, some of the big venues in Egypt? And uh, if I'm not mistaken, even on TV and radio shows. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, I when why did I start going to Egypt? When I was living in New York, I started going to Egypt in the winters. Uh and my my best friend Rami, he's his whole family's in Egypt, so he has a connection, and we would go, and um, and then uh, I think it was the first trip there. I met Said Al Artiste, who's like the hero of Egyptian tabla. He's like this the Darbuka superstar of Egypt, and he elevated it. You know, the the this drum used to be thought of as something kind of like street gypsy cabaret, like something not classy, you know, and he elevated the art form and he performed in all the, the, the great concert halls and the 
Cairo Opera House. Actually, he just invited me for next month to play in the Alexandria Opera House. I think I'm not going to do it just because of like the stress of traveling and stuff. But, um, you know, it, what, what an honor. And he has this whole orchestra of drummers and he lets me teach them one of my compositions. And so I get to work with this like Maxum machine, you know, all these guys and they're elegant. They wear these suits and they, you know, they just, they're so good. It's such a thrill. And I've done some duets with him where I learn his compositions and we play as a duet on big stages. And, you know, so I, for maybe five or six years, I was spending every winter in Cairo. And, you know, of course, because it's, I'm a, I'm a foreigner, I'm a woman, you know, playing the tabla, uh, people, people are very fascinated. And I got invited, you know, on TV and all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's definitely been, been uh, some great adventures. Then I was uh, in having these Darbuka camps in the Sinai Desert, and I I, uh, I had a very strong uh, connection in Egypt and really, really great experiences. Mm. And most of your performances in Egypt, they were like music performances, or did you have any collaborations with dancers at that time? None. Uh, I mean, I, 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 in Egypt, I didn't have any collaboration with dancers. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's not, uh, there, when Saeed performs, sometimes he'll invite a folkloric dance troupe, but he never plays with, uh, belly dancers. And, uh, yeah, so I, I really, yeah, I didn't collaborate with dancers mm -hmm. in Egypt. And how about uh, U.S. and New York at that time? Well, I played with all the drummers, uh, all, I, with all the belly dancers in New York. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was really in the scene and just, you know, playing the Turkish bands and the Arabic bands and every show there's a dancer. And, I, you know, I would, uh, we would play at the Figaro every Sunday and there was like one dancer after the other. And, uh, I mean, I just, I put, I put in my, my hours, you know, playing with it and, and then, Uh, when I had my band, Rocking the Caveman, which was with my ex-husband, um, Leron Pellet, uh, all the dancers loved our music because it was kind of like Middle Eastern music, but with this edge of like almost like hardcore rock edge. And so the belly dancers loved our music. So we got invited to all the belly dance festivals all over the world, really, you know, and, and playing for the dancers and Um, you know, collaborating with everybody, with Dahlia Carella, with Rachel Bryce, with, you know, all the big, you know, um, Casey, did a lot of stuff with Casey and uh, Fat Pants, Billy Dance and the West Coast. And yeah, just with everybody, everybody. Um, yeah. And that was a specific period where we were doing this music that was really um, popular with the belly dancers. Um, and, you know, then I kind of, I moved in this other, a, a little different direction, more, a little more like classical. My, my music that I'm doing now is uh, not, not so geared to, towards belly dancing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but before we move to that chapter of your music journey, uh, I must ask you, like, um, do you have any, you know, what was the most memorable maybe a collaboration with a belly dancer if you have any like you know maybe some story that comes to your mind or some scene or the energy of the performance that like really like if you think about the most like you know brightest or most memorable or something that comes on your mind right now in terms of collaboration with belly dancers hmm Well, it's always uh, amazing to collaborate with Dahlia Carilla. You know, she, she's, she's amazing. She's a good friend and she's so good on the, the Turkish nines, you know, she, she, and, and uh, so we, we had some amazing collaborations with her. Um, and also, I mean, when the, the Jap there's a big belly dance scene in Japan and actually when we would go to Japan and we would, we would play uh, almost with no rehearsals and there would be a big troupe of Japanese belly dancers that would like choreograph exactly to, to, to our pieces. And it was just so, it was so cool, you know, to see these 
and the other side, you go to the other side of the world and you see these people that have worked on our music so so carefully and you know that was always really I, I always got a kick out of that mm. did you ever created drum solos uh, specific for certain dancers or in collaboration yes. with dancers yeah actually we have a but we i mean with the rocky and the caveman we have a bunch of songs that are named after certain dancers like we have jihan Who's a na- which is named after Jihan Kamal, I think. She's she's amazing, and we have Dahlia, and we have uh, who, who who else did we do? I I forget, but we have we 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 definitely we have sometimes a dancer will commission um, a song from us or a, or a solo, um, and uh, yeah, so we've definitely written specific. Uh, um, pieces for for specific dancers. Huh, maybe you have some piece of advice for dancers who would like to collaborate with a drummer or maybe to commission them to create a, a drum solos for them. Maybe you have a suggestions how to approach this process to get, you know, like the maximum results because sometimes dancers don't really know the insights into the music mm-hmm. world and mm-hmm. sometimes drummers also may not have insights into dance world. So um, if you have any kind of tips or uh, suggestions, how dancers can approach this kind of collaboration to get like the best results, let's say. <laughs> well, I think the number one thing is communication, and um, I, I'll talk. I'll talk about uh, the the drum solo, like the the live belly dance drum solo. You know, first of all, uh, if there is a chance to talk to the drummer before and just check in with them and just if there's something some particular rhythm that you like or whatever or you know you can make a request you could say oh could you do chip to telly or you know you, you could you could talk to the drummer before um the other uh and then you know if you it's not always a chance to talk to the drummer before but the the most the most important thing to uh keep in mind is to make eye contact, always be communicating by looking at them and make it fun, make it playful. This is about playing and like a child, you know, with, with a drummer. It's not about showing off. It's about that relationship and, and just to make it fun and playful, have a sense of humor, be relaxed, you know. Um, nobody wants to see somebody performing who's like stressed and, you know, so j- just... Uh, make it all about the fun and the communication and the interaction, you know, and, um, you can do really fun things like dialogues, you know, like you can do stuff, there's a rhythm and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, the drummer, and then you go, you know, you can make a dialogue. Um, you can, uh, uh, you know, go go really slow like take it to a really slow czar and then speed it up gradually you know you can make it really dramatic to make it dramatic you know and i would always tell the drummer give the dancer a chance to pose like don't you know some drummers just fast 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 the whole time when it's like as a dancer you want them to you know you want to you want them to have stops so that you can pose and then maybe the most important thing is for the live drum solo tell the drummer the drummer should know this but in case they don't know this repeat the phrases repeat it you can't read their mind so you won't necessarily get the first time so the drummer should repeat it four times you know so that you can so that the dancer can really like nail it you know and so that's that's a really important rule that I have to always uh, explain to, to, to my drummers is it's not about you showing off your chops. You know, it's, it's a, it's a different thing and you should be predictable and you should repeat the phrases and you should be dramatic, be, get, be soft and then do a crescendo and, you know, um, contrast, dynamics, you know, make it, make it theatrical, make it, make it um, dramatic and fun. Mm, I am just like, literally sitting and jumping on my, like, seat right now. I can sign under every single word <laughs> that you said, because <laughs> it's exactly like all those ideas uh, 
so much trying to communicate also to dancers. Uh, and it's cool to hear from another drummer's perspective that uh, like, oh, that's the things like make it fun, make it about joy and play and also communicate with drama. What do you want to see? Which rhythms? Remind maybe about repetitions. Maybe discuss mm-hmm. how you start, how you end. Because how not end. all the drummers know, like, you know, can... Uh, can read it, but even if you don't have communication, you are communicating on stage because you're not performing alone if you are doing a live drum solo. It's always a duet. So, Mm -hmm. music and dance. So cool. And you already have mentioned uh, passing by, but earlier you mentioned about Turkish nines. (laughs) So, when you were like still in New York, actively involved in the scene, you already start... uh, diving into Turkish style of drumming. How yes. did that switch happen? Okay, well, uh, first of all, I in New York, I was playing a lot of Turkish music. They they really love the. There's a scene of Turkish music in New York. So I was playing the Turkish music, and but I was playing using Arabic technique. Then I started seeing on YouTube, like, what the hell is happening in Turkey? Like, with this fast, like, I just started seeing this super, super fast stuff coming from the Turkish drummers. And um, I was, I, I couldn't even tell how are they doing it, you know, just because their fingers were a blur. But it was just like so cool and so much faster than anything I thought. So then that's when I, I call it the the pilgrimage, the, you know, the first year when I, I took four of my, uh, students, all women. And, um, we just got, got an apartment near Colada tower and just, we're like, we want to learn this, you know? Uh, and I found Bunyamin, who's my teacher, who I, I'm still training with him. And we would, uh, you know, we'd ha- I, I would have a lesson every other day. And then my students would have a lesson with him every other day. And, um, and it was really kind of, like almost like starting over, you know, it's just, it was really like going back and relearning from the beginning, uh, which was challenging, you know, cause I had this ego. It's like, Oh, I'm so great. You know? And I, I was really sounded good on the Arabic style and all of a sudden to like go back where my stuff is not even, and I don't, you know, and I'm don't have the control. And, you know, so, um, it took a lot of practice and, uh, and, and then, you know, finally, it, it took a couple of years, I think, till I really got comfortable with it. But, you know, and then I, I kind of started owning it. So, mm-hmm. And I guess your learning experience also brought you to Istanbul. Yeah, well, that's that's the heart. That's the center of this new style. And so I went there and then the first year I went for one month. The second year I went for two months. The third year I went for three months. The fourth year I went for four months. I kept on adding a month every year. And then I ba- I just, I was like, I want to live here. I just, it's just such a magical city. And I, I'm just feel happy there. And I'm, I feel like inspired. I love all the ancient stuff. And it's just such, it's a very special place. So I decided like, I just want to wake up here every day and, um, I relocated and opened up my Darbuka office, which is like a um, a place where I train with my teacher full of Darbukas right off of uh, Taksim Square in downtown Istanbul. And uh, before the the pandemic, we would have students coming in and out from all over the world. And, you know, we'd have we'd have uh, intensives and, you know, beginning private lessons and group lessons and little concerts there and. Uh, and there was a scene for a while there of all the Turkish drummers, all the great Turkish drummers coming to jam, you know, so we, we, you know, just, I would just be there for hours every day and just, just playing, 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 pushing myself, drinking chai, you know, and, uh, just, it's like a, a, you know, just the best, the best thing, the best place. Hmm. How easy or difficult was to actually move to Turkey from logistic point of view as a foreigner? Oh, it's quite easy. Uh, I think almost any foreigner, you just apply for a resident permit and you can get it. And, you know, you, you get it. I'm not allowed to work there 
which is fine because I don't want to work and make Turkish lira. Like I, you know, so I, uh, so I, I just have a permission to live there and I live there and, uh, yeah, it's actually quite, quite easy. Not a big deal. It doesn't, you pay something, but it's, it's very little, it's very, yeah. And now you're very active in online education. Yes, yes. Uh, was it for you started with the pandemic need or did you start well, before? Thank God I started this before because, you know, I have students all over the world. And so I've always just, you know, when these great online uh, teaching platforms started coming, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I can, I can just reach people from all over the world, you know, and, and, uh, and so I actually started uh, my online Darbuka school a few years before the pandemic, and um, which was really lucky because <laughs> then the pandemic hit, and I know a lot of musicians and dancers like were like scrambling, you know, to get some online stuff together, but I was already all set up with that. You know, my school is all up and running and all the material there. And so, yeah, I feel really lucky to have that. And I really have fun with it. You know, I just, I love my Darbuka school, my online Darbuka school. I, you know, I, I'm always improving it and adding cool stuff. And, uh, I, I really, It's so great because I used to, I have, I had a book and a DVD, you know, like that was my Dumbik Fever, you know, series. And it was like a book and a DVD. And now it's like on these platforms, you know, you, you just, you have the, you know, you, you see the video be playing, you see the notes, there's the MP3. It's all like, um, it's, it's just such a great way to organize your stuff, you know, especially for music and, you know, with the video, it's, it's, it's such a great way and um and i love how flexible it is i can always improve it change it add to it you know i and i'm always yeah so yeah it's just i'm like thank god for this you know and uh it, it, it's just a great way to kind of continue uh during these times to continue to to spread the 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 the, the teachings and also to support myself so Yeah, it worked out okay. How realistic is it for someone to learn how to play Darbuka from zero using uh, online resources? Uh, okay, well, that's a great question. And I think it also depends on the person. Because some people do better face-to-face, -face, you know. Um, but I think... but. I know so many people that are playing so well only from the online stuff. Like I, it happened many times that I'll, I'll go to a new country, I'll teach a workshop and I, in my workshop, I'll be like, Oh my God, that guy over there, he can really play. Where did he learn? You know? And I'll talk to him after the class. Where did he learn from my online stuff? You know? So I'm like, wow. It works, you know, like it's just beautiful hand positions and, you know, so um, I think uh, for, you know, it is possible to, to learn a lot from the online stuff. Mm, that's cool. I also know that you are known for developing a special uh, notation system yeah. for drummers. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit about it? Sure. Well, because um, this style, especially the split hand style, is so specific. You know, you use each of the individual fingers, and then there's all these different places you can hit each finger on the drum. So it's like uh, I never saw any Darbuka notation that could be so specific, like which finger are you using and where are you hitting it on the drum? You know, like I've seen people trying to, notate Darbuka with Western notation and stuff. And uh, I just, it, uh, anyway, so I developed this system and it's actually based on Indian drumming with underlines. So each underline is what is a beat. And then you write the letter of the hit or, or the number uh, on the beat. So, uh, and uh, first of all, 
it's much more user friendly to read than classical music. Like if you take an adult who's never read classical music and they see that, you know, all these weird dots and lines, I think it's kind of intimidating. But my system is just so easy to understand because you just see the line and you see, you know, do, do, da, da, da. You see the, the, the hits uh, written on the line and it shows you also like how fast to play the hits. So, uh, yeah, and I, I developed a notation system, which I keep on having to add to the notation key because the more complicated the drumming gets, I have to keep on coming up with new symbols and stuff. But I'm 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 just keep on developing it. And actually, a lot of drummers that I know that are teaching darbuka and stuff, they're using my system now. So I think people really like it, and it really helps them. I just want to clarify something uh, in terms of differences maybe between Egyptian and Turkish like driving. So when is the dances, we learn rhythms and we see those like doom and tak, it's like two most common, uh, let's say, pieces of notation. And we see mm -hmm. like doom, tak, tak, doom, tak. So just mm -hmm. doom and tak. Do you mean that in Turkish driving, basically there are many variations of how to plume play that doom and that tag uh, and that's why like this is like different kind of notation because you mentioned like is which finger and where exactly to hit yeah. or is yeah. it more different sounds uh it's it, it's more different sounds yeah like it's like if you hit it with this it just sounds a little different from when you hit it with this so it's like it's just this it, it adds like a, a different note you know so it's it becomes really melodic so it's about having the, the different sounds. And I mean, you mentioned the doom. There are a bunch of different ways of playing the doom. There's the regular doom. There's the baby doom. There's the, uh, you know, there's the high doom. There's the slap doom. You know, there's all the, um, the tech. You can play the tech different ways. But then also you're, we're using um, all of the fingers. So, um, yeah, so it's more about the, you know, the, te the techniques and the, the, different thing, the different hits. And uh, in Egyptian drumming style, is it also different ways? Or is it more like, like less variety? I, I think there's maybe, it, maybe there's less variety because they don't so much use the individual fingers. So, but I mean, I, I, I still, I love the Egyptian uh, drumming and it's, it, it's also a very rich tradition, very beautiful, a lot of different hits. Um, but um, I think they just don't, they don't use so much of the individual fingers. Mm. Also, you mentioned a lot about nines mm -hmm. <laughs> and Turkish music. Sometimes I have a feeling it's all about nines, although of course not. But um, how easy in your experience is to teach and explain to new students what is rhythm in nine because to play turkish music you do need to be comfortable with nines there's yeah. no way you yeah. can avoid it <laughs> well i feel like if you explain it in the right way it's easy because any rhythm no matter how long and how complicated can be divided into like twos and threes any rhythm so if you you know, if you think of a rhythm in nine, it's like, whoa, that's 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 intimidating. But if you think of something that goes one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, then it's like anybody can count to two and three. So you, you count to two three times and then you count to three. So one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three. So um, if I break it down like that, I think it can become something that anybody can feel. And the other thing that I always tell um, my drummers, and it would also help for dancers, I think, is to, um, you know, a lot of these rhythms have melodic vamps that uh, repeated simple melodies that, that you can go, that, that, that go over the rhythm. Like for the nine, it would be like, bum, 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 you know. Uh, so if you just kind of hear that in your head, Dun, 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 da, da, dun, 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 da, da. If you internalize that, then you can stop counting, which is the goal. Because you don't want to be, you know, when you're performing, you don't want to be going one, two, one, two, one, two, you know, you want to just feel it. So 
if you if you focus on the the melodic vamp, then you you can kind of just feel the rhythm and 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 uh, and, and have more fun with it, you know, than than counting. Yeah, but I feel that sometimes it's almost necessary to break down, especially if you hit something so unusual, like for instance, if like I remember from Dan's point of view, uh, this summer we had opportunity to jam a lot in uh, in Turkey with you and with Pedro, my husband too, and with some other musicians. And I remember how sometimes so unusual, like the music, the stuff you were playing, I was like, wait, it, it's like Malfouk, it sounds like Malfouk, but wait, there's something wrong, there's like, it's 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 like off, like what's going yeah. on, it's Malfouk, but it's not Malfouk, and then it's like, yeah. oh, it's a nine, so obviously it's not Malfouk, Malfouk is not a nine, but uh, I remember how little I was standing and trying, like, okay, let me break down the simplest belly dance move that I would do to something similar to this rhythm, and how can I put it on nine, because we are so used to often, if we start counting, we count on eight. It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. New combo, new phrase on the, uh, like... And here suddenly it's like, not only nine, but sometimes it's super fast nine. So you can't even count in nine. So you start counting in... You can't even count. You just start trying to listen to music and try to catch the accents. And like, okay, what kind of combo can I physically put on this kind of music so that was a very interesting experience <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well i think that counting is necessary in the beginning breaking it down and trying to really count it one two one two one two one two three you know you have to do that in the beginning if you're not used to it but after you've heard it so much and you really practice that and then you get to the point where like i can be jamming in nine with Bunyamin and sometimes I don't even realize that it, it, it just feels so normal and so natural that it, I don't even realize it's 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 an odd rhythm you know but I just you know so you you know I, I think the goal is to use the counting to learn it and to understand it and then when you're used to it enough you can internalize it and stop counting and just and just feel it yeah it's definitely the matter of practice and I guess not only for like I'm talking from dance point of view, like to get to that groove and mm -hmm. to get to this like expanded movement vocabulary of what you can potentially do with that kind of music. And then eventually it comes naturally. And I guess the same is music. Like you need to get this music vocabulary and counting and getting into your fingers and your mind. And then at some point it comes out like naturally. Exactly. Yeah. Speaking of music, I also uh, know that you got uh, very much engaged with other music instruments, not only darbukas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, just one actually. I mean, I, 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 uh, yeah, I, I play the Comanche, which is the spiked fiddle from Iran. And uh, I've yeah I've been playing that for quite a while, and I'm very very into it also. Uh, uh, and I play my own compositions. I'm also studying. I'm um, with a with a. I think he's the greatest Kamacha player in the world. His name is Imam Yar Hasanov. He's from Azerbaijan, and I study with him. And uh, yeah, and I I also recently started playing classical music on the Comanche with a great classical piano accompanist. And we're playing like Schubert and Bach and Rachmaninoff and all these uh, classical pieces where I'm playing the violin or cello part on the Comanche with the classical pianist, which is really fun for me because it's also kind of going back to my roots uh, and um, kind of making, tying everything together. So, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, very, very, very lo love the Comanche, and it's just a nice to have a melodic thing. It's also great when I'm teaching drumming because my students can, I can, I can play a song, and my students can accompany me, and, uh, yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I, I usually in a, sh in a concert, in my concerts, usually I play, even more than half of the concert, I play Comanche, and then and then you know some songs of a Darbuka. Mm -hmm. How similar or different is creating your own compositions on Darbuka and on melodic instrument? 
Oh, well, that's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, well, actually, sometimes the melodic pieces started out as a drum piece. Like, I'll write a drum piece, and then, like, the one of my pieces called The Clown, which is one of my favorite pieces. Like, it just it started out as a drum solo. Do do da to do do to do da to do, and then I just started. I just started hearing a melody over it. And so it, it turned into a, a melodic piece. But that's why a lot of times in my music, the drum is as important as the melody. You know, the drum. You know, usually the drum is is more of an accompaniment. But in a lot of my pieces, it's almost like a duet between the drum and the comanche because. The, the drum part is so uh, interesting and important. Mm. And to me also, it was very fascinating experience of like collaborating with you in terms like you actually do, uh, you actually are able to play your drum solo exactly like you composed and you recorded it, which is not very common among drummers. That's so... Typical, like the drummer, if the, even if they create it, they kind of either need to keep constantly memorizing it or need to refresh before the show. If dancer choreographed, because as dancers we do choreograph every single tuck and doom. And I remember with you, we were collaborating on some training program at the uh, for my like Yana Dance Club platform, which yeah. I made uh, students teach uh, uh, learn a one a choreography to one of your compositions called Istanbul, actually, which uh, so cool. Uh, that we were in Istanbul at that time, and it was in Nines, which is also cool, like we were talking about it. But I remember I was choreographing my part using recording from your CD, which is by the way awesome CD. Passport to Shimi's, to Shimi's 10th <laughs> drum solo yeah. compositions, uh, really yeah. cool for dancers. But on another note, I was creating my part of choreography to recording, and I was like, okay, and then we have one meeting that we want to record me performing with you playing live, and I was like, okay, how many takes we'll need to do, like maybe we'll need to do rehearsal, and then suddenly it's like, we only did one take, I don't think we actually repeated it, it was like, yeah, yeah that's it? I was like, yeah? That was exactly like I choreographed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I'm really into compositions and I I can, I, you know, it's all written down. It's not, you know, I mean, I can, I can, I can also improvise, but when I compose something, you know, I can, I, because it's all exactly composed and notated and everything, I can just play the exact same thing, you know, and, and I know that's really helpful for dancers who are choreographing stuff to have it exactly, exactly like, like in the recording. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, online courses and online education, I actually want to ask you a little bit more about your courses, because I know you have quite a lot of interesting, cool stuff for drummers, but you also have something cool for dancers too. So can you highlight which of your online courses are like your favorite babies? <laughs> I know it's yeah. very difficult to choose, but maybe you have something that like you feel like, ah, oh, that was cool that I created. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, the Darbuka method is really like the, the, uh, the method course. It's quite, you know, it's quite, gets quite involved, you know, gets quite deep into this, uh, split hand style of drumming. And it starts from the beginning, how to hold it and, um, you know, just progresses. And by the end you're playing like these cool compositions and stuff, uh, and, it really takes all the techniques that we're using and breaking them down. So that's, uh, you know, uh, that that's uh, one of the more important courses in the school. And then uh, I, I love this course that I made called Rhythm for Dancers. And uh, I had it with dancers in mind, you know, that, uh, that and it, it's really, because I, I was just uh, updating it uh, just today and I was, uh, First, I, I, I show how to count, like how to count a rhythm. What's a beat? You know, what, what does it mean when something's in four or five? And I actually teach a dancer how to listen to a song and figure out what's 
the meter of the song. What is it in? You know, so I think that's a great skill. And I have a whole step-by-step method for how to, how to do that. And then I teach them all of the most important Middle Eastern rhythms one by one, break it down very simply. And uh, I show them how to play it on a darbuka if they have a darbuka or if not, how to play it on with body percussion. And then I, uh, I have a section actually with, with you, uh, which is so cool. I just added that where you are actually teaching them how to move to each of these rhythms. And, and then they get uh, all of the drum solos from Passport to Shimmy. And I have a section at the end where I show them how to, you know, I, how to do solo stuff with the Zills. And it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's uh, for dancers to just improve their whole sense of rhythm, their sense, their how to count, they, how to recognize the rhythms, <coughs> how to understand the rhythms. And yeah, so I, I really love, love that course. And I think it could be so useful for belly dancers. Mm. And I also know that you have a lot of stuff for beginners, uh, like for dancers and for beginners in drumming, but you have a lot of stuff also for uh, intermediate and advanced uh, uh, drummers and you all have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, even sort of like a, a subs- uh, sort of subscription uh, yes. access to not just like one course, but a bunch of materials. And you yeah. have r- from time to time doing uh, online uh, streaming classes, like live well, classes. Okay, yeah. Um, I have, you know, different different packages. I have the level one, level two, which are bundles of a bunch of courses, you know, for different levels. And then I have unlimited access, which the, the, the they get access to all the courses in the school. Plus every week I post a new lesson. And then, uh, and this was has been great during the pandemic, is the live classes, which are so fun because, you know, I have a student from China and a student from the States and a student from Spain and all, they're all there. And, um, and that, and actually this week, we are beginning a whole new series of weekly ongoing live classes. Uh, mine are going to be on Sundays. I'm going to have a level one and then a level two training on Sundays. And then Bunyamin, my teacher, he's going to have his master class on Wednesdays. And it's a monthly subscription that, but you can, you know, join anytime, leave anytime. And it's just this ongoing thing with the live classes. So those are really, um, and you know, the level one, uh, I, uh, that I do the first one on Sundays is level one. And that's just really taking the basics, the basic techniques and just really working on them, you know, really working specifically on all the details just to get to, to, to build a really strong uh, foundation. Hmm. That's exciting. Where can dancers, our, our listeners right now find uh, more information? Like is it a specific website? Is it your, maybe you have favorite social media where you post all these announcements? So where can people where should people look uh, to find more information? The school is darbukaschool.com. And so that, you know, you just enroll in the school and uh, you don't even have to buy anything to enroll. You know, anybody can just enroll in the school and then you get on the, on the mailing list and then, you know, and then you get all the announcements when there's new stuff. There, there's also a Darbuka School Facebook page. So you could also, people could also uh, follow that page um, and then, get, you know, get all the updates, well, all, the, all the latest classes, all the announcements. And, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll post some, some free lessons and, you know, just uh, give challenges and, you know, just fun, fun stuff. Hmm. Well, I definitely will include uh, links uh, to the uh, show notes. I also encourage uh, all listeners to check your personal website. I think it's Rocky. Uh, dot com. Yeah. com because uh, uh, there are two other big, huge topics that we didn't um, get a chance to dive like really, really deep today. But first, you have beautiful art 
that uh, you are created, inspired by the Turkish culture or your inspiration in general. It's a hand painting that you do in different styles uh, and uh, inspired by Darbuka too. So that's very mm-hmm. cool yeah. for dancers to check. And I also know that there is something at some point soon coming out, which is your uh, recipe book. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, inshallah, as they say. I'm, I'm a, I, I was hoping to have it finished by now, and I'm just, you know, when, when, when you just have the final stage of the, the not fun part where you're, you have to make all the editing and the final corrections and all the d- little details, that, that's where I'm getting stuck. Uh, but I... I will finish it. I will finish it. And I'm, you know, I've been a vegan many, many, many years and I'm passionate about being vegan. Uh, and I, I'm a, I'm quite a great vegan chef. So I, you know, finally I'm gathering all my original recipes and in, into a book and, um, yeah. And it, yeah. And thanks for reminding me about it. I should really, just just finish it you know so uh, thanks <laughs> well i saw a little draft of that book it's also gonna be like almost like an art piece because all the art you created yourself inspired by um products uh, you that you used in recipes but also yes. by your like elimination techniques that you're studying in yes, turkey a lot exactly. so yeah. i'm really looking forward and excited to see it and i know that there is a little special gift also for our listeners uh, for those who are interested in uh, uh, possibly enrolling in your online courses yes yes i i wanted to offer everybody a coupon for fifteen percent uh, discount on any class course in the school. Hmm. So uh, the link to the uh, courses to the web page will be on the show notes. And uh, how we should call the coupon? Let's say. Yeah, I think I think the coupon is called Darbuka fifteen, and that's the code you can use. I have to double check that, and if that's not right, I'll I'll let you know. But I think it's Darbuka fifteen. So we'll put that in the links to the show notes so you can check it out or book of 15 or some variation of it, but all information will be there and it's 15% off any of Raki's online courses. So that's very excited, very cool. And uh, looking forward to seeing so many dances, not only shimming, but also playing <laughs> dooms and tags on each finger <laughs> available for them to yeah, play. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Inshallah. Yeah. Well, Raki, thank you so much for spending this time with us. It was uh, so fun to chat with you and to connect so and to fun. hear about your great story. Great questions. <laughs> it was a really good interview. I mean, you really, really asked some great questions. So. Well, thank you. I'm very happy you liked my questions because I have one more. The last one yes. prepared for you. <laughs> okay. We have on the podcast, we have one traditional question, which I ask every single guest. Uh, regardless of what we talked, typically it's about belly dance, but I'm going to adapt it and put for you about drumming and playing Darbuka specifically. So the question sounds like this. What makes you fall in love with playing Darbuka again and again so you keep doing it for so many years? Okay, Uh, that's a great question. Uh, there's a couple aspects. First of all, I feel like Darbuka is just like a joy machine. You know, if I, if, when I start to play, it just makes people happy. People start to smile. People start to dance. And it just, it's like, it just transforms people into like joy, a joyous state. So that's one of my favorite things about it and that's why it doesn't get old you know because just to 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 be a messenger of that that kind of feeling um and the other thing is you know I do have a competitive streak I have this drive you know like how far can I go how far how good can I get you know and what I love about the, the 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 whole practice of the Darbuka is that it's never ending never ending, no matter how amazing you are and how good you're getting, you can always get better. And it's just this endless source of challenge and, and, and fun and, 
you know, and, and uh, yeah, d d just the never ending aspect of it that you, you could, it just, you could, the, your whole life you could be practicing and, and getting better and developing your art. And that's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.